You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We are going to go over all of the preseason two, week two action. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of things going on between the first week and the second week of preseason uh, in camp. A lot of news, a lot of moving pieces. And we just kind of want to break it all down for you. I know you guys didn't watch all the preseason games. So that's what we're here for. We're here to kind of like get into the details, get into the, you know, all the nuance that, that, that comes with, you know, which players were sitting. That might mean they're in, that might indicate that they're starters. You know, which players were playing with the first team. How soon did they come off the field? That sort of thing. That's what we're going to break down today. Uh, but first, we got some news and notes. We got a rapid recap. So, Zach, go ahead. Right, so Mike Evans returned to practice yesterday after his seemingly annual preseason hamstring flare-up. You know, we hear about that all the time. And he should be on track to start week one without any issues, barring any, you know, setbacks coming up. Uh, what do we think about this uh, Buccaneers uh, wide receiver core? Obviously, we've talked about this a little bit, but Mike Evans seems to be the safest bet here, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I had a feeling that this is exactly what's going to happen. Like preseason is wrapping up, <laughs> Mike Evans gets a couple weeks off, right? He doesn't have to practice, doesn't have to go through like a grueling training camp. He does he does this every year, uh, so it does right. seem like he's good. To, he'll be good to go. Uh, I won't be hesitant, you know, to pull the trigger on him uh, in drafts. So you know, I have him in my top ten. You know, wide receiver. I think I have him at like wide receiver, you know, seven or eight, you know, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's between him and Michael Pittman. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, I'm going back and forth between the, those two guys. But uh, yeah, no, he's the safest bet. Chris Godwin, you know, he's going to be, he, you know, I, I think he's going to be potentially ready, you know, early in the season, uh, but it might take him a few weeks to get right. Uh, but until then, Mike Evans is going to be the guy. Right. And any, you know, not, I wouldn't say struggle, but any problems that, uh, Chris Godwin has getting back up to speed, which, you know, we can kind of expect that it's coming off an ACL, a pretty, you know, bad knee injury. He'll be fine. Chris Godwin will be fine when he does come back. But for those few weeks where he's getting back up to speed, Mike Evans is probably going to be a red zone magnet, you know, getting all the money to targets and just really Tom Brady's favorite target, especially with Gronk out. In other news, another Mike, Michael Thomas, he's dealing with a bit of a hamstring injury, quote unquote, and that caused him to sit out practice on Sunday. This is a little bit more concerning because, you know, Mike, Mike Thomas missed a lot of time last season, all of last season, and even some of the season before with injuries. So to hear about this is a little bit, you know, it throws you off. So what do you, what, how, you, how are you handling this, this news coming out? Yeah, it's not, it's not ideal uh, because, you know, I, I was targeting Michael Thomas everywhere. And, you know, the fact that he had to kind of focus on getting back, getting that ankle right, you know, it, it means that he wasn't at 100%, right? And he wasn't kind of, you know, the, the way I look at it is that whenever a player is rehabbing an injury, right, and then he comes right back on the field, that means that he was likely uh, not paying attention to the rest of his body, right, and not mm -hmm. kind of taking care of and, and trying to get to an optimal state, 
right? And the chances with Michael Thomas, like, it's he's probably not at an optimal state, right? Because he's worried about rehabbing the ankle. He's worried about getting right from the ankle. So, you know, right. other parts of his body can be affected because of that. Um, and it happens all the time, right? Like, when players are rehabbing from an ACL, they're worried about the knee, and they come right come back right away. What happens? Soft tissue injuries, right? Because, you know, <laughs> they just weren't focusing on that sort of thing. So it, it is a little concerning. However, I am not taking him off my draft board. Um, you know, I might, you know, it, you know, between the tiebreaker of guys like Amara St. Brown and, you know, guys like that or Juju around his price range, you know, maybe that's that will be the tiebreaker for me, you know, if he continues to stay hurt, like when I'm drafting. Uh, but, as, you know, once he's back to practice, like I'm, I'm back in, it doesn't seem like it's a major issue right now. So I'm not panicking, uh, but it, I could potentially use that as a tiebreaker in drafts. I think that's a good point. You know, Michael Thomas, obviously we know what he can be, so it's it's difficult to kind of, you know, count him out immediately after this hamstring news. Um, I was big on him. I know you were big on him, you know, as a value where he's sitting at. But this could kind of, you know, reinforce why his ADP is that low. Um, I think that, you know, there's value to be had as long as this isn't a problem, but definitely something to keep an eye on in the coming days. And, you know, as soon as we hear about something um, – uh, that'll tell us a lot more about what we should be expecting heading into week one. Kenyon Drake, he was released by the Raiders yesterday. Uh, that cleared the way for Zamir White to ascend in the RB2 spot, presumably behind Josh Jacobs. Do you like Zamir White's value as a late-round flyer or handcuff? Yeah, I think so. Um, it seems to me like the Raiders, they are not huge fans of Josh Jacobs right now, and it seems like, yeah, you know, they did just release Kenyon Drake, but it doesn't really affect... Josh Jacobs a whole lot because the way mm-hmm. that Kenyon Drake was being used in the preseason, he was basically being the backup to Amir Abdullah, which is the backup to the third yeah. down back. So <laughs> it was like the way I look at this backfield is like Josh Jacobs is the number one running back on early downs. Zemir White is the number two running back on early downs. Amir Abdullah is the number one running back in passing situations and Kenyon Drake was playing the role right after him. So he was the number two back in passing situations. So that is why they cut Kenyon Drake, <laughs> because he was getting right. paid too much for a role that didn't really matter, right? Uh, and, you know, worst case scenario, if they have to use one of these early down backs in the pass game, it's not a big deal, right? So, uh, and, oh, by the way, they also have Brandon Bolden, right, and that they brought oh, right, over yeah. from the Patriots. So there's no reason to keep Kenyon Drake with that salary. So that's, that's really why they, they got rid of him. Uh, I, I don't think uh, this really, you know, boosts up anybody else, to be honest with you. Like, it, it's... The backfield is is kind of in in a very like similar spot that it was you know before Kenyon Drake got released. It doesn't it didn't see, it doesn't seem that way on the surface because you might have assumed that Kenyon Drake was like the number two running back, but it, right. that didn't seem to be the case uh, in this situation. So I you know I think Zimmer White was already a solid like in a deeper league you know a solid stash as a handcuff, but you have to keep in mind that there is going to be a situation. Where like even if he does get if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, he's not he's still going to be coming off the field on uh, on on passing downs, but he might not have to share that load with another running back on early downs if Josh Jacobs were to get hurt. Right now, Jacobs might have to share the early down load with Zamir White. Like we don't know right. what's going to happen there. It's very possible though. Right, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about you know kind of being in the same situation. There are already a lot of heads in the backfield, you know, competing for touches and that kind of thing. So it's just one last name to worry about. Uh, Zamir White is the only one that should really get a boost, but it's not even that much. You know, late round flyer handcuff is kind of where I have him ranked. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to see too much. Obviously, the Raiders, like you said, don't seem to be enamored with the idea of 
uh, Josh Jacobs long-term. So maybe Zamir White will be a name to watch next year. But as far as this year, I think that his, his ceiling's really limited just because of what that, uh, the guys that they have on the roster right now. Pete Carroll said that there's no table timetable for Kenneth Walker's return from the hernia procedure that he recently had. Now, there's been a little confusion about whether it was a hernia or it wasn't. I mean, the reports we're hearing is that it was a hernia, and those are tricky. How should we be treating the Seattle backfield? Is Rashad Penny a value right now? Man, I I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't want to buy into it, you know, because right. there's a couple issues here. Number one, Rashad Penny hasn't been the epitome of health, right? He stayed healthy for six, seven games last year, and he killed it. So that's what everyone's holding right. on to. But Russell Wilson's not there anymore. This offense isn't going to be as good. And I don't want to invest in an offense, in a backfield, or in a running back that is just an early down guy uh, on a bad offense, you know, potentially bad mm-hmm. offense. So, you know, Travis Homer, who, who, by the way, looked amazing this preseason. Like, he looked so good. He was, like, shot out of a cannon on every play. Uh, but he's right. going to be the guy... Uh, who's going to be on the field on pass and downs, regardless if if Penny is healthy and if um, I'm blank I'm blanking I'm blanking here. <laughs> DJ Dallas. No 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 we're, we're, the guy who had the the sports radio. Hello I'm, I'm, my That's favorite running back in this draft class. Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Kenneth Walker. Uh, even if Kenneth Walker is healthy, like what? What this is going to look like is that those two guys are going to be sharing the load on early downs, and and DJ and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are going to be the ones uh, on pass and down, specifically Travis Homer. So, I don't want to invest in this situation. This is the type of running back archetype that I don't want to invest in, especially on on a bad offense. So, there is going to be a point potentially that Kenneth Walker is back, and this backfield is going to be a mess. So, yeah. I would rather stay away. There are other running backs that I could take around the ninth round, uh, like Chase Edmonds. There's other wide receivers I could take around the ninth round. Like, you know, I've seen Elijah Moore fall that low, Kadarius Tony around that spot. I'd rather take those guys than take a shot mm-hmm. on a guy like uh, Rashad Penny right now. For me, Rashad Penny just kind of becomes an immediate value. You know, maybe week one and week two, okay. Yeah, maybe he'll outperform his ADP. I think that it kind yeah. of makes a little bit more sense. Without Kenneth Walker in the backfield, yes he can be a value at his ADP right now. But we know that Kenneth Walker is going to come back. So it's hard to say that he is a value long-term or just for the season. I think you'll get a couple of good games out of him to start. And any time that Rashad Penny doesn't have to deal with any of that competition to backfield, he'll be fine. Like you said, he's not the epitome of health. I think all that trouble is baked into his ADP a little bit. I'd even put a little bit lower if it were me just because of all the complications surrounding it, uh, his situation. So I- I'm kind of diverging from what you're saying but you know like i think ultimately he's just it's just way more trouble than it's worth targeting anybody from that backfield unless you're really in a pinch and you really just missed on your draft and you don't have any running backs and okay maybe you you can weather the storm a little bit weeks one and two maybe you get by starting rashad penny uh otherwise i'm not a big fan of targeting him right now either all right so after that that's our that wraps up our rapid recap we're jumping into the preseason headlines now you know Big storylines coming out of the games, things that we've seen usage-wise, production-wise, and what to expect, you know, heading into the the season after this week two of preseason action. Matt LaFleur, he referred to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as 1A and 1A backfield options, further muddying the water around what to expect as far as usage goes in 2022 for the two backs. It's a question worth begging at this point. Is Aaron Jones extremely overvalued at his mid-second round ADP? 
Yeah, you know, and this kind of goes back to uh, one of our previous episodes where we talked about guys that we were used to, we were high on early on the season, and now we're kind of cooling off on. And Aaron Jones was one of those guys for me, um, and it's for this reason. And it seems to me like they're going to depend on this backfield a ton, right? Uh, yeah. Just because of the lack of their wide receivers, and they've been touting uh, AJ Dillon in the past game as well. So I kind of feel like they're going to use these two interchangeably. There is no doubt that Aaron Jones is a superior receiver. Uh, he's going to be used all over the field. He's one of the few running backs who, who's going to be used uh, intermediate and deep even uh, because Aaron yeah. Rodgers is not afraid to target Aaron Jones all over the field. And that's where Aaron Jones shines. And he's going to have those plays. He's going to have some big games uh, and, you know, that's why his upside at you know the mid-second round price tag is alluring, and I totally understand that. However, A.J. Dillon is one of my favorite picks around the sixth round, uh, and he's, sometimes yeah. he falls to the seventh, and, uh, and it's for this reason. Now, I was statting it out, and if it, A.J. Dillon, I don't think 15 carries a game for A.J. Dillon's out of the question because the, the Packers have – uh, you know, a good defense. So it's very possible, and they have Aaron Rodgers. So, like, it's very possible that they're in a lot of games. They have uh, a lot of positive and neutral game scripts. So I can totally see right. A.J. Dillon, uh, you know, getting 15 carries, and on top of that, potentially getting three, four targets a game, right? And mm-hmm. if that happens, we're looking at potentially 275 touches for A.J. Dillon. Now, obviously, I didn't give him all three and four of those targets as receptions, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I give him a couple t- catches per game, but a 275 touch season uh, is going to <laughs> so like really like outproduce his ADP right now, and and on that offense potentially getting a lot of goal line work as well. I kind of like AJ Dillon at his price, um, and the opportunity cost at Aaron Jones' price is a lot higher, right? Like you're going to skip out right. on a lot of these guys, you know, guys like Saquon Barkley who's available, CD Lamb who's available, you know those type of guys. You know, DeAndre Swift sometimes, too, falling that low. And you have to make a decision between those two guys. So, you know, it's a situation where, like, I might want to just, like, grab one of those guys in the mid-second round. And then, you know, sixth, seventh round comes around and AJ AJ Dillon's on the board. And I'll just grab him. Right. I'm with you. I think that AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to see very similar production this year. Um, I put Aaron Jones just slightly higher in terms of production just because, you know, he's the receiving guy. But I think that that difference in production isn't worth the four-round difference that we're seeing in their price in ADP. So I think that, yes, at this point, Aaron Jones is very overvalued in the second round. I didn't want to be the guy saying that. You know, I've always been like a guy like, okay, Aaron Jones, he, he can be good. You know, he'll be the receiving guy. He's worth the second-round ADP. And I've been thinking about that the whole time leading up to this report. I'm thinking, okay, I'm still okay taking Aaron Jones second round. But then this report comes out, it's like, okay. These are two guys that are going to probably see similar production. If not similar production, similar opportunity. And one of them's going four rounds earlier than the other. Like, at this point, I'm targeting A.J. Dillon if I'm targeting either of them. But if I'm being honest, me personally, as a player, I am not going to be targeting either of them. Because there's just, you don't know what you're going to get. And there's a volatility. I don't really like that at running back. Um, now, if you're in a, in a pinch, you know, you need running backs, completely get it. But... Personally, not targeting either of these guys. And, yes, Aaron Jones, I think, is overvalued right now. Third round, maybe I think about it. I I do want to say one thing about A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, the reason why – one of the reasons why I like targeting him is not necessarily because, like, I want to start him week one. And I probably won't, right, Um, because of the fact that I want to see how this backfield plays out. However, 
if he's like my third, third or fourth running back, I, I like having him on my bench even because if Aaron Jones ever gets hurt, man, he is like one of the top handcuffs to have. He's one of the guys who can just right. go absolutely apeshit if a- a- Aaron Jones were to go down, right? We can see A.J. Dillon yeah. getting 20, 25 touches a game if, if Aaron Jones were to go down, given the fact that they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why, you know, it's just kind of like this ticking time bomb on your bench in a good way, you know, in case Aaron Jones yeah. does get hurt. So it's like one of those things where, you know, it's like this this secret weapon that you kind of have on your bench. And that's that's why he's so alluring to me. Yep, definitely. Zach Moss. Looked the part of the Bills' go-to guy at the goal line in the Bills' second preseason game. He took two goal line carries out of four total, and he took those two carries in the, at the goal line in for touchdowns. Is there any point in targeting any of the Bills' running backs at this point with a three-pronged attack between James Cook, Devin Singletary, and Zach Moss likely to result this year? This is a very tricky situation. Now, I, I just don't see all three of these guys being on the field when it really comes down down to it. I think James Cook mm-hmm. is easily the most talented pass catching back here. Um, however, it, it is possible that we're going to see some really like crazy volatility, right? Now, mm-hmm. it, it, the Bills are a very good team, right? So if they go up in the first half of games, like you kind of saw it with Cole Beasley a lot. What, what, what the Bills were doing and – you know, this could be a head coach thing. It could be. It could have been a Brian Dable thing. But I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I would assume this is a head coach thing because this is an overall philosophy type of decision. But what they were doing was, in the first half, they would go 11 personnel and 10 personnel, three three wide receivers, four wide receivers on the field. They would go crazy, score a whole bunch of points. And in the second half, if they were up by a good amount, they completely turn into a shell of themselves and they go 12 personnel. They go two tight ends on the field. You know, they start running the ball a little bit more. Uh, so it's right. possible that. You know, maybe James Cook does his thing or, you know, maybe catches three, four balls early, you know, in, in the first half. And, you know, there might not be a whole lot of passing situations that he needs to be on the field for in the second half of games. You know, this is a good team and this defense is going to be fine, too. So, yeah, um, I found myself not targeting James Cook a whole lot lately, um, especially right. where he's going, because there are some other guys that I do like. Obviously, if you're going to target him, only target him in full PPR leagues. If you're in a half PPR, I don't think there's any point. Um, because his yeah. role is going to be that. I don't think he's going to be the goal line guy. I think they would prefer, you know, either, you know, obviously they have Josh Allen, so he's going to take a lot of that work. But, you know, I think they prefer Zach Moss. They prefer Devin Singletary in that role. Uh, James Cook is a smaller back. Uh, so, is, I, 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 you know, it's hard for me to say that, like, I'm, you know, targeting James Cook like I was early on in the offseason just because I, I know what his talent was like. I know that there's going to be a ton of passing plays that he was going to be on the field for. Devin Singletary is not a good pass catching back. Uh, but it's possible that we see, like, a J.D. McKissick roll out of him this year, mm-hmm. which isn't really, like, amazingly fantasy relevant, right? Like, yeah. it, it, it might get you by in a pinch, but the upside doesn't seem to be there as of right now. Yeah. Uh, a word that I would use to describe what I anticipate for the Bills backfield being this season is infuriating, especially from a fantasy perspective, because what is Zach Moss doing getting goal line carries? Uh, Devin Singletary can't catch. And James Cook is who I think the most talented running back there, you know, in the field. And um, I don't think he's going to get the most volume. Add in the fact that Josh Allen likes to run the ball and they run QB, QB sneaks, QB power, you know, all the time in the red zone, especially. I don't think there's any point in targeting any of these guys. The only, the only rusher I'd want on the Bills is Josh Allen, 
anybody else, I'm just kind of leaving out. I don't think there's any point in targeting the Bills uh, backfield this year. Devin Singletary, I mean, you know, he figures to be the number one, quote-unquote, but I don't think that he's going to get enough volume to really call him a number one. It's going to be 1A or 1B. You know, um, Matt LaFleur referred to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as 1A and 1A. Well, I'd refer to uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss as 1B and 1B because they're both second-rate talents, especially to James Cook. So (laughs) I'm coming out here hot, but I'm just saying I I think that you'd be better off just kind of avoiding this backfield i'm not targeting anybody from this it's just going to be infuriating i, I wouldn't deal with it <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i hear that man i hear that and you know Devin singletary you know it seems like they're, they're treating him like he's like the starter right now because he's sitting right you know he's not he's not playing a whole lot uh and it, it hasn't really moved this entire offseason so um you know i can understand why people would want Devin singletary but i just feel like this is going to be a situation where you're not going to get any consistency out of this backfield just like you said Right, Devin Singletary would just be a singular bet on volume. That's it. <laughs> if so, not, if he gets it. Yeah, if that. So, yeah, that's why I'm avoiding them. Christian Kirk was heavily u- utilized heavily in his time on the field in week two, drawing eight targets on just 22 routes, which is pretty good, and he reeled in five of them for 54 yards. Is Christian Kirk a screaming value as a current wide receiver 41 off the board? I mean... After watching that, you know, with Marvin Jones on the field, you know, Marvin Jones got a couple targets too, but but damn. Like, it seems like Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence have a, a real rapport. Like, Trevor Lawrence was looking for him on every play. Um, right. So, yeah. After seeing – like, when I see something like that in the preseason, you know, with the starters, you know, it's an indication to say, like, hey, like, don't bet against that. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. – uh, so yeah, I mean, I I, I want to see more. Yeah, I wanted to see more out of that first team offense. I mean, they did play a whole half, uh, but I wanted mm-hmm. to see like another game out of them to kind of see you know h- how they do. But but yeah, you know, I think I think at this point, uh, you know, Christian Kirk, you know, he got the he got the money. I didn't necessarily look at that as a reason to to target him because they had guys like Marvin Jones who. You know, he, he's he's not you know the best receiver, but like he's one of those guys who can easily be a target vulture. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe not do a whole lot with it, but he could have easily led this team in targets as well. Uh, but as of right now, it seems like Christian Kirk w- is probably that guy. Getting targeted that frequently <laughs> is something to pay attention to. On twenty-two routes like that, like it was what thirty-six percent of his route. Yeah, thirty-six percent like, of his crazy. routes. Like that is crazy, and that's something to pay attention to. So yeah, no, I, I think Christian Kirk is somebody that you should look at to build that wide receiver depth, uh, and it's possible that he's an every week starter. If he gets targeted at this rate, he'll be a top 24 guy. Um, you know, I would right. probably peg him at a t- maybe as a top 36 guy. Um, but listen, like as of right now, I'm going to have to move him way up in the rankings right now. I don't have him. Yeah. I, I have him really low. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be moving him up a ton. Uh, I'm glad I saw this preseason action. The thing is, Christian Kirk doesn't profile as the number one wide receiver, right? So, like, yeah. I, I don't think there was any real reason to think that he's just going to, like, assume to command all the targets. Like, last year, when DeAndre Hopkins was out, you'd know that Christian Kirk was the best receiver on the field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because his only target competition was basically A.J. Green. So, um, yeah. so yeah. No, I, I think I think Christian Kirk is somebody to target um, at this point. And I'm hoping this ADP doesn't climb too too high. Uh, but I, I think that if you're in a PPR league especially, he's somebody to target. Right, I, I think that we're talking about why he wouldn't profile as a wide receiver one. You know, it, for me, I kind of compare him to you know Marquise Brown because they're both you know a little bit undersized, but they're both good deep threats, and that kind of translates well, I think, 
for the Jags offense because he's obviously the best deep threat that the Jaguars have right now. I mean, unless you consider, you know, I think they added, was it Zay Jones? I think in the preseason, in the in the offseason, something like that. But um, they got a bunch of value guys except for Christian Kirk. I think that he's a value, absolutely. And uh, Screaming, I'd say pretty darn close to it. You said maybe he's top 24 if he gets targeted like this. I don't know how uh, repeatable this is, if this is going to be something that we see as a trend. But um, top 36, if he finishes as the wide receiver 36, he's still beating his ADP by five spots. So I think at this point, you know, I think the fantasy community is about to be a little bit more in tune. Uh, his price is going to go up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it settles somewhere inside the top 36. And at that point, now it feels appropriate if it gets to that point. But right now, value, I, I'm taking him until it goes up. Um, I like Christian Kirk. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of people trashed the Jaguars for paying him as much as they did. It might have been a lot, but Kirk is still a good talent. He's obviously not a bad player. He could he found a role in a Cardinals offense that was full of weapons. He's going to be the weapon in Jacksonville outside of Travis Etienne, maybe. So you know, I, I like Christian Kirk as value. I think as current price, I think he's a value. Kenny Galladay, uh, not this guy. He had yet another concerning day. Uh, he went untargeted on 21 snaps with Daniel Jones under center. Is he even worth taking a flyer on at this point? No way. Just stay away. Like the dude, I don't know. I don't know if you saw this clip on Twitter. It was it was going around social media, uh, uh, of a clip of Madden and Saquon Barkley breaking a run, and the dude showing the replay of what happened and why Saquon didn't break that run for a touchdown. Have you seen that? I, I didn't see it. No. Okay, I'm gonna explain it real quick. Okay, and this is literally yeah. like this is this is uh, Kenny Galladay summed up. In, in, a, in, in a Madden clip. Again, you guys should look this up. But mm. basically, this guy was playing Madden. You know, he, you know, Saquon, he had Saquon Barkley going down the field. He broke a couple tackles, you know, going through the defense, and boom, he's going to be out. All of a sudden, Saquon, like, and Kenny Gallagher is down the field. All of a sudden, Saquon falls. He shows the replay, okay? He zooms up on Kenny Gallagher, not doing anything, by the way, just standing in the middle of the field, not trying to block. Okay, this is Madden, okay? This is just a computer, CPU. Mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay sticks his leg out to trip Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley falls. He tackled Saquon Barkley. He tackled his own teammate, <laughs> and he didn't score a touchdown. And it was just a, a hilarious clip, and that is literally what you should think about when you think about Kenny Galladay. Like, Kenny Galladay is not going to do anything this year. Target Kadarius Tony, Target Wondell Robinson, target Saquon Barkley. Kenny Galladay is not the same guy. He hasn't done anything this entire training camp. The, the reports out of training camp basically say that he hasn't done anything. Uh, and on top of that, I heard you know, that like, going on things like he's not even trying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like they're questioning his listen, effort. Listen, I, I'm, you are not going to be on my fantasy team. I'm sorry. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't a big fan of Kenny, Kenny Galladay either. Going into last season or this season, you know, I, I, I haven't – I mean, you know, we saw what Kenny Galladay did. He had that one really good season uh, with Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Uh, but Kenny Galladay, you know, he signed that big contract and he just hasn't looked at all the same, not even close to what he was in Detroit. And, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be changing because the talent around him only got better. You know, Daniel Jones is still Daniel Jones. Um, his situation isn't ideal. And, you know, you used to be able to say, oh, maybe his talent can overcome it. But it just doesn't seem like he's the same guy. He doesn't look at all like he did when he was a dynamic fantasy asset. Nowadays, he's not even worth taking a flyer on. I think that's a fair statement because 
even when he's on the field. They, you know, Daniel Jones is even looking for him. So that's a problem. I, I don't think it's going to get much better. Um, if he does do something, you know, you shouldn't have any problem picking him up as a waiver addition because I don't think anybody else is drafting him either, uh, unless they're Giants fans and they're just hoping for the best. <laughs> I don't even think Giants fans are drafting him, dude. I think Giants fans are tired of him too. <laughs> yeah, they probably know. Isaiah Likely, this guy had an awesome week. He exploded on Sunday with eight catches, 100 yards exactly, and a touchdown all in the first half. So the Ravens already have Mark Andrews, but could Isaiah Likely carve out a role in a Ravens passing attack that's currently depleted at wide receiver? You know, he had an amazing, you know, like he was just being targeted by Huntley on every play. Like I said that he was getting the Mark Andrews treatment from Tyler Huntley because we know how much (laughs) Tyler Huntley was targeting Mark Andrews like every single play last year. Mark Andrews yeah. averaging like more than 10 targets a game with Huntley. And he basically gave the same treatment to his other tight end and Isaiah Likely. By the way, I, I mean, this is a little bit of a side note. Tyler Huntley is a good quarterback. Yeah. Like I, I, he, you know, there were times where he was playing last year. And I was like, okay, is that Lamar Jackson or is that Tyler Huntley? Yeah. It, they just, they run, they play similar. You know, I think that you have a fair point. This guy's a really good quarterback. He's you know, a good he quarterback. Could be, he could be a starter on some, on some teams. I yeah. Think. You know, no, maybe I, I, go for I, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I, listen, man, if that guy was in Tennessee, yeah, no, I think I think that would, that would work out really well. No, I I think he is. He, I think he's really he was super accurate. Like, I don't know, man, right. he, he puts the ball on the money. Anyway, anyway, just I just wanted to say that, like, if the good side Jackson would ever to get you know banged up for a game or whatever, like I would not hesitate to put Tyler Huntley in my lineup. To be honest, anyway, mm-hmm. um, Isaiah Likely, I you know I saw it firsthand at the Senior Bowl, you know, with him. I got a chance to talk to him as well. And, you know, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, he, he's kind of a tweener, right? Like, he's not a big tight end where he could kind of play in line and block. Uh, but, he's, mm-hmm. he's like, like you saw, you know, they were just splitting him, you know, in the slot. And he was able to, to run those routes and get open against these linebackers and safeties, you know, with ease uh, at the next mm-hmm. level. So, definitely something to pay attention to. I think this definitely helps his dynasty value. Uh, by the way, like, if, if, if somebody is trying to, like, throw some 2023 second round picks or something like that at you for Isaiah Likely, I would take that. Uh, take advantage of the yeah. high value right now. Uh, but I don't think he's going to have a huge factor, play a huge factor this season. Like they have Mark Andrews, they have Rashad Bateman. I think those two are going to be the top targets. Isaiah Likely is going to play. The Ravens are going to play in two tight end sets. He's going to be running routes. Uh, he's going to get his targets. But I don't think it's going to be enough to say that he's going to be a, you know, a potential fantasy starter. Uh, unless Mark Andrews were to go down. And those is, that's a situation where I would definitely pay, pay attention to Isaiah Likely because, you know, he could have a huge game, you know, in the absence of Mark Andrews. So definitely pay attention to him. Uh, but I don't think he's necessarily worth drafting uh, in redraft. You know, you could pay attention to right. him on the waiver, maybe put him on your waiver, you know, waiver watch list. But I'm not, you know, getting overly excited to, to think that the third target on a run-heavy offense, uh, especially tight end, is going to make a huge impact. Yeah, he's one of the uh, rare, what I would consider him, he's one of the rare tight end handcuffs. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. <laughs> Just in case anything would happen to Mark Andrews. And like you said, you know, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, they know they have Isaiah Likely. You know, he's not exactly, um, he's one. He's a very athletic tight end. He's not like a Mark Andrews. But, um, you know, if they end up using him in passing sets more often, because they don't really have anyone outside Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver, the three guys running down the field, and, you know, running routes could be Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and Rashad Bateman. You know, and obviously this is a run-first offense, you know, with Lamar Jackson. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem 
necessarily if I'm if I'm in a bad spot with tight end you know if I if I missed on any of the top five six guys even top 10 guys you're one of those guys that wait wait till late to draft your tight end I, I'd shoot the moon at Isaiah likely in the last last round of my draft you know I wouldn't reach for him obviously but you know I, I think that this guy could have value outside of just you know I think that him being a tight end might lower his value just by looking at him uh, but he would probably play more like a wide receiver I think he could be worth you know, starting as a tight end if it came down to it and you didn't have anybody else for that week. Um, obviously, really, really impressive performance, really promising, you know, dynasty stock through the roof. Um, we'll see if he can do it, you know, in the regular season. Um, but, you know, I, I'm obviously a big fan of Isaiah Likely already. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be stashing him with high hopes. <laughs> so another tight end. Albert Okawebanam played into the fourth quarter of the Broncos' second preseason tilt, and that raised questions about his role as a Broncos' starting tight end. Head coach Nathaniel Hackett, he was talking about it, and he chalked it up to him giving time to the guys who, quote, need the reps. Are you as happy about taking Albert O at or around his current tight end 12 ADP as you were, say, maybe two days ago before this report? Well, it was already concerning starting in week one of preseason because it was a very similar situation where all of the starters didn't play and he did. And he played all the way, right. you know, throughout the first half. So, and this is kind of what we talked about after that. We said that, okay, maybe he needs the reps in terms of like he never was a starter before in the NFL. And they were kind of giving him the reps so that he could get used to playing a whole game. Uh, but that isn't a great sign. For him to play that, you know, that far into the game uh, is not something I want to see. Um, I'd right. rather grab a guy like David Njoku, uh, you know, who at this point I had Albert O over Njoku, but now I'm, I'm taking Njoku over him because Njoku, you know, is the guy running a route on a majority of dropbacks. And even if Deshaun Watson isn't playing, I think that he could still, you know, be a better value because, uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett also likes to target the tight end. So I'm not really right. too concerned about that. Um, yeah, no, but I, I am concerned. I'm not targeting him as much. It is possible that Albert O is going to be rotating with other tight ends. Um, and for me, when it comes to tight ends, it's all about route participation. And if it's not high, if it's not like above like 75%, I'm likely not going to start you and put you in my lineup. So I'm afraid of that. For that reason, I might stay away for now. What is a shark tank? For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it. I was so close to saying right? it. I decided You're not so to. Close. <laughs> right. No, um, you know, I was a big Alberto guy. You know, I reached for him in that one draft that we did together a couple of episodes ago. But looks um, like you're gonna be point, streaming. Yeah, I think I'll be I think I'll be streaming is right. I mean unless Irv Smith really comes through for me, you know what I'm saying? Oh, if you have Irv but, Smith, um, he, he might be your guy now. Uh, and, and there was yeah. a positive report on Irv Smith too. I I, I don't think yeah. we had that in our notes, but uh I think I think Mike Zimmer I'm sorry, Mike Zimmer. Uh, Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell said was. that uh he's gonna be back. Uh and he, he should back be back on the grass. I think that was the, the exact wording. Yeah. Back in the grass. He's, so, smoking, um, he's smoking weed again. So Yeah, he, maybe. He good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but um, yeah, Alvaro, you know, now this is actually very concerning. I'm not a big fan as much as I was, you know, like I said, two days ago. Um, I thought that, you know, he might get the week off this week or he might not be playing as much, you know, if anything. And he played in the fourth quarter again. So not exactly what I was looking for or hoping for, for Alberto. I think he has the talent, but I think, when you factor in that, you know, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, you know, there's a bunch of weapons. And if Albert O is playing with backups, you know, I don't figure that he's going to be getting, you know, 
too many looks or anything like that. I think that this is really just bad news for him. Um, I, I don't think that he's a bad player. I don't think that he's a bad fantasy player. It's just he's not where he's being drafted right now. Right now. I think his price is super inflated at tight end 12. I don't really know if he's going to be a tight end one at this point. You know, I think tight end two is a much more reasonable ceiling to project. I think he's going to be a low end tight end two, if anything. And I think that's being a little bit generous. Um, obviously, I don't want to panic too much about this, but this is clearly not good um, from a fantasy perspective. So I- I'm out on Alberto, just like you are, you know, Shark Tank style. For that reason, we're out. Yes, we're out. So he may not see the field too much this year, but Malik Willis, he had another impressive showing in his second preseason game. He threw for 80 yards and a touchdown, and he also had another 42 yards rushing on the ground. Is Willis still just a buy exclusively in dynasty formats, or is he worth maybe stashing in redraft leagues this year? He's a sell in dynasty. If, if, if anybody, he's a sell. Yeah, if anybody wants to look at Malik Willis and say that you know he's going to be a, a good quarter, a good quarterback in the NFL, you know that is really what it comes down to, right? Because the quarterbacks have to win a job and they have to keep a job in order for you to give mm-hmm. give in order to give you any sort of fantasy uh, value. Right. Um, there is no right. doubt that when he is on the field, he's going to put up fantasy numbers, right? Because he's going to be running the ball like crazy. Like he's a, yeah. he's a guy who can give you like you know a hundred yards rushing in a game. He could average mm-hmm. like over a course of or course of you know like ten games, he could average you know sixty yards rushing per game, uh, which yeah. would be elite, um, and some rushing touchdowns as well. But the que- the question with him is that he, the thing with him is that he he's not a great prospect. Right, and when it and when it comes to dynasty, you want to make sure that you you're not blinded by the stats that you see in preseason, because these guys mm-hmm. were going to get action regardless. But are they ever going to get action in the regular season when it counts for fantasy? Right, and that's the question. So, if you have an opportunity right now after these good games, people see those stats and like, wow, like he could be a great quarterback. He could be a great fantasy quarterback because of his rushing ability and the fact that he was able to do his thing against backups. Please sell, um, because you know mm-hmm. if this was a, a, a good prospect doing it, it's a different story, right? Um, like for example, I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than than uh, Malik Willis, and that's because yeah. Malik, Kenny Pickett was drafted in the first round, and he looked good in the preseason, and he was he looked accurate, um, even though he doesn't have the rushing chops that Malik Willis does. I think Kenny Pickett's a better dynasty asset. I don't think. I don't think Kenny Pickett was the best prospect in the world, but he's definitely a better prospect than, than Malik Willis. So, you know, if Malik Willis ever gets gets the chance to 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 do his like to get time on the field, I think he's going to be a good fantasy player. But I just don't think for the long run it's a great investment. Uh, now, in terms of redraft, I, I don't think he's worth uh, taking a shot at. Uh, I think he is mm-hmm. definitely worth picking up if Ryan Tannehill were to go down, um, and if he were to yeah. go down and he, Malik Willis was going to you know come in. Uh, definitely pick him up and start him for sure. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. Uh, something to note, you know, we talked about he did throw for 80 yards. He threw for a touchdown. He added, you know, 42 yards on the ground. Um, you talk about Kenny Pickett being accurate. Malik Willis only went seven for 17. So that's under 50% completion. So obviously not a big deal, you know, at this point in the preseason, but something to think about because, you know, you got to be hitting on passes, obviously, the, his passing game will buoy him. It'll determine his upside because his re, his run game, I should say, will buoy him, and that will keep him afloat in terms of fantasy value. But it's his passing volume that's going to really determine how he goes. Um, Kenny Pickett, obviously, much safer 
as far as passing. He was excellent this preseason so far. Um, if you compare the stats, they're, they're pretty far apart. But obviously, Willis is dynamic talent anyway. Um, I wouldn't think too much of Malik Willis, you know, being somebody that I'm taking in redraft either. Uh, I think that if you're going to stash him, and if you have room and you want to stash him, you know, just as like a potential uh, high rushing upside guy, if you have really have the room, you can go ahead and do that. But otherwise, you know, he, he's probably going to be sitting on waivers the whole year unless something does happen to Ryan Tannehill. So you can save up your waiver priority if that's how you run your waivers. You could save up your, your money, you know, however you do your, your waivers, if you want to make sure you get him. But I don't think he's worth drafting. In redraft dynasty, you know, I kind of want to buy him. Just because, you know, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, he was pretty horrific, pretty horrific last year in the uh, postseason. I don't know how enamored Titans are with him anymore long term. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's just speculation. So we'll see. We'll see how things go. I, I'm not doing anything with Malik Willis and redraft, though. Yeah. We got a small taste of what Chase Evans' workload could potentially look like. He carried the ball three times for just three yards, but he did add two catches for 21 yards. This seems to line up with your workload projection from earlier this offseason. Is it fair to say that Chase Edmonds could be the value you had him pegged as a few months ago? Yeah, I think so. I think this is kind of what what I what I envisioned for him, you know, uh, you know, for his role, having a role on all three downs, right? Um, he's right. not going to be an every down guy, but he's going to have a role on all three downs. He's going to be running the ball on early downs. He's going to be catching the ball on passing downs. He's going to be catching the ball on early downs. So <laughs> that type of that type of player. I want him on my fantasy team, especially in an outside zone run scheme that Mike McDaniel is bringing over, you know, from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think that this could be uh, a, a really, I think he's being very underrated right now. Uh, and I think yeah. he should, he's a, he's a serious value. Like you can put this guy in your running back spot, guys. Why is he going the ninth round? Okay. Like I don't understand, especially if you're in a PPR league, why is he going the ninth round? So, right. so the guys who are, look at the guys who are competing against him. Sonny Michelle. He, by the way, he also played with the first team, but he only got a couple snaps. Um, Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert, you know, didn't play. And we might see a lot of that this year as well, him not playing. Right. If you're worried about Raheem Mostert, I suggest that you go to, first of all, his age, right? He's old. Second of all, yeah. go look at his career numbers and look at his, his, <laughs> the number of maximum rushing attempts that he's had in a season. And that might convince you that he's not going to play a huge factor uh, in this backfield. Yes, can you have a, a, a home run hit every now and then on this, uh, with this outside zone run scheme? Of course, That's the, he's fast. But I, I wouldn't bet on it. Chase Simmons is the guy, and I'm drafting him a ton in full PPR leagues. All right, so that's really reassuring considering I went to RB in my one league and I picked up Chase Edmonds. And obviously I was a I was out on Chase Edmonds. I wasn't a big Chase Edmonds guy going into this. But now, you know, seeing this workload, you know, how he sizes up compared to the competition, it does seem like he's going to be the primary guy. He's going to be getting the receiving work, which is exactly what we're looking for, especially in PPR formats. Um, I think you hit this one on the head. You know, I will concede that I was wrong so far right now. You seem to have hit the nail on the head with this projection. Um, I do like Chase Edmonds. If you say he's going in the ninth, you know, ninth round, like I, I like that a lot more than any other running backs that are going in that round. That's Rashad Penny range, right? Like we're talking about two completely different guys in the same range. You know, Chase Edmonds, you know, serious chance to be a value. I don't know if I still don't know if I call him. I think you had him ranked was it twenty three a couple was it a month or two ago? 
Yeah, I don't know I, if I, I rank I had him, him as that a, high. I had him as a low end running back. And by the way, he is going in the eighth round now, so his price did go up a little bit. Right. Okay. So people are catching on to this already as we're speaking. So. <laughs> So honestly, yeah, so, though, uh, like, if if a running back is being ranked, like, if if there's a running back who I'm ranking outside the top 24, I don't want him in my lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, that's uh, fair. You know, Chase Edmonds. You know, if if he's going to be getting, okay, let's say Chase Edmonds is getting 14 carries a game. Is that reasonable? And maybe yeah, four, I think so. Four targets a game, something like that. Mm-hmm. That would put. Let's say he plays not 17 games. Let's say he plays 16 games. Okay. So that comes out to 224 carries, all right? And if he gets four targets a game, which I think is being conservative, he could potentially get like right. five or so. Um, you know, that's six, That's almost 300 opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in a season. So I, I kind of feel like, you know, that is top 24 numbers right there, you know, if not, you know, top, you know, 20, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's maybe. part of the reason why, like, it's hard for me, like, considering, like, what his – touch numbers could look like this year on a per game basis like it's hard for him especially because of the fact that he's going to be very involved in the passing game because of that that's one of the main reasons why he'll be in the top 24 if he was mostly an early down guy then i wouldn't see it because he's potentially not going to get goal line carries we'll see we haven't seen what, mm-hmm. what they're going to do there yet um and if he does get any going work oh my goodness we're looking at a yeah austin eckler type of role here right oh um, my god no, that would be, be you know gold. I mean, listen, he could be a steal. So that type of you know, there's a little bit of room still there for even more upside potentially. Um, right. I would assume that a guy like Sony Michelle is going to be the goal line guy. But listen, I don't know. If Sony Michelle isn't there. Who are they giving the ball to on the goal line? Mm-hmm. So right, Gabe Davis. You know, staying in the AFC East. He picked up right where he left off last year, reeling in a highlight touchdown pass from Josh Allen, and Josh Allen looked as dynamic as ever too. You know, so these guys are just balling out picking up right where they left off just how high is gabriel davis's ceiling on offense that already features stefan diggs and dawson knox so you know gabriel davis i i don't think that the offense is going to feature dawson knox more than gabriel davis i think it's going to be stefan diggs number one and then like the targets you know probably gabriel davis number two and then number three will probably be split between guys like isaiah mckenzie and dawson knox dawson knox last year got you know, he was running a, a pretty high percentage uh, of routes in terms of route participation, and he still wasn't being targeted right. at, a, at a decent rate. So I'm not going to assume that he's going to be targeted at a decent rate this year either. Uh, I don't think that he's mm-hmm. necessarily going to be a much bigger part of the offense or anything. So I think it's going to be Gabriel Davis. I think, you know, there's no doubt that Josh Allen likes to look for him in the end zone. Um, yeah. You know, listen, and don't 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 discount Stefan Diggs because Stefan Diggs like, was near the top of the league in end zone targets. He just didn't come down with a lot of them. Um, that's bound mm-hmm. to change this year. But going back to Gabriel Davis, listen, his price right now, sixth round. <laughs> there are a lot of receivers I like in that range. Uh, I haven't pulled the trigger a ton on Gabriel Davis, but it's very likely that Gabriel Davis is going to probably end up with 10 or more touchdowns this year. And, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. Like, he might not be, you know, he, the thing with him is like, you know, why didn't, why couldn't he beat Emmanuel Sanders, you know, for that job, right? But at the end of the day, right. whenever Gabriel Davis was on the field, he got it done, right? Um, his yards mm-hmm. per route run, you know, was near the top of the league, you know, because when he was on the field and running routes, he did his thing, you know? So Gabriel Davis, you know, is a potential, you know, breakout wide receiver. Um, it is very possible. Now, if I had to bet money on it, I wouldn't bet on it but at the same time like 
it's it's right in front of us. You know, he had that huge game in the playoffs, four touchdowns. Um, right. and, and now, like, you know, in the preseason already, he's gotten touchdowns from Josh Allen. So it would be foolish of me to continue to say that, you know, Gabriel Davis is not someone that you should target, right? Sixth round, decent right. price, you know, but the thing is, like, you know, guys like Michael Thomas and Amara St. Brown and, you know, Elijah Moore, you know, going a little bit later, but, you know, guys like that are very appealing to me. Um, what about you? Like, yeah. are you are you considering Gabriel Davis there around that price over the guys that I mentioned? I think so. And, you know, I might take a step further and go a little bit bolder because, you know, I do like Gabe Davis. I like him some Gabe Davis. But um, could this be the second coming of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? You know what I'm oh, saying? <laughs> could oh, these guys, could both goodness. of these guys be like top 15? You know, I, I, I wish I had those like, I wish I had those like DJ drops <clears throat> right now. It's like, boom, 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 right. boom, I wish I had, I wish I had <laughs> because, those sounds. <laughs> right. Because I'm looking, I've watched Josh Allen and Gabe Davis play the last few games, and it just seems like Josh Allen loves throwing to Gabe Davis. You know, obviously he loves throwing to Stephon Diggs, but Gabe Davis just deep passes. He's taking all the shots on Gabe Davis that he can, Josh Allen is. I think that this has, you know, the potential to be the second coming of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. You know, if not even better, um, that remains to be seen. But I think that this is definitely a situation where you can think, okay, these two guys, I, I would put more, I would put it, I would bet on Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs finishing top 15, both of them, even top 12. <clears throat> I would bet on them before I bet on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins doing that again. Um, you know, it's a little bit bold, but I oh think that the way things are going, the what I'm seeing, you know, this is this could be huge because we've talked about the Bills' backfield already. I don't think they're going to be doing too much there. There, Sorry, that was a voice crack. I don't think they're going to be doing too much there. Uh, I get it. You, I get it. You're excited. Pass, you're, you're excited. Yeah, I, this I is a pass-first offense. <laughs> this is a pass-first offense. These wide receivers are exciting. You know, I, I'm hyped. I want to see how these guys do. And, boy, how cool would it be if I'm right on that projection? <laughs> it would be cool, man. It would be cool. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And, you know, whenever Gabriel Davis is on the field, he gets us done. So, you know, I'm looking at, you know, where, these, where he's going. And, you know, he is going after Michael Thomas. You know, he is going after – Chris Godwin, after Juju, after Amon Ra. So, like, you know, if those guys are off the board, I think the decision is relatively easy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. depending on who you're drafting with. Obviously, a lot of people, you know, Gabriel Davis is a very polarizing name, uh, you know, in the fantasy yeah. community. So, depending on who you're drafting with in your home leagues or whatever, it is possible that Davis will be available there for you. So, yeah, no, there's no doubt right. that Gabriel Davis can, can do his thing. But, geez, Louise, man, Jamar Chase T. Higgins. <laughs> I love it. Hot take. That, hot take alert. I, I oh, think that would so, be. Yeah, that would be. And you know, I, I think so. We'll, we'll definitely make sure we clip this up. But um, I, we'll revisit this. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think we will. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Damian Pierce. You know, he was held out this past week, but Marlon Mack played. That would indicate he's favored to be the starter. And we've been hearing this a lot this preseason that you know he's looked really good and he could have an inside track to be the starter. What kind of role should we envision for Pierce in week one? Yeah, and, and the beat reporter beat reporters have said that, you know, uh, first they said that, oh, it's disappointing that we didn't see him. But then they said that it would, it would indicate that he's a potential starter and they didn't need to see more from him, which is amazing, right? right? It's I mean, like he did have nine opposite. yards to carry. Yeah, and it was literally the opposite of Albert O, right? Like the, <laughs> the Broncos needed to yeah. see more, and he played all the way into the fourth quarter. This is the opposite. It completely held him out because they knew what they had in him, and Marlon Mack played. 
And Malik Mack, you know, I don't think he made one good play this entire preseason. So, you know, this is a situation where Damian Pierce, like, even though, yeah, he was going against backups. But, listen, we were high on Damian Pierce coming into the league. You know, we knew that mm-hmm. he's, he was going to be a good player. And we knew that he was going to be the best player in this backfield. Uh, it was just a matter of whether these coaches would also a- agree and also be willing to kind of, you know, take the shot on the rookie you know, over the veteran in Marlon Mack. So this is great to see. And I'm happy that it's happening. And I'm very, mm-hmm. very excited to draft Damian Pierce because he is a good pass catcher as well. So it is possible right. that we see him, you know, even if Rex Burkhead is, has a role on, on, on passing downs, we can definitely see Damian Pierce running routes on early downs, getting targets on early downs. And, and Rex Burkhead's old. He gets hurt all the time. And if he goes down at some point, we could potentially see a, a major, major year from Damian Pierce. Right. I'm really excited about Damian Pierce. And the thing that excites me, you know, just for Damian Pierce, I'm excited because, you know, he's an excellent fantasy target at his price right now. And even as it's rising, he's still going to be an excellent fantasy target up until draft day and in the season. But the thing that makes me excited is if Damian Pierce is as good as the Texans think he is, that means they can trust. They think they can trust him and rely on him to shoulder the load in the run game, which allows Davis Mills to rely on the run game. You know, the run game won't be non-existent, which will open up the entire offense and just make Brandon Cooks that much better. It'll make Davis Mills that much better. You know, it'll finally, we could see the Texans offense come back into relevance for fantasy football if Damian Pierce can be the engine that we want him to be. I think that Damian Pierce has everything, all the tools, his situation, you know, he doesn't have too much competition. His competition's there, but it's not like this dynamic talent that he's going to lose out to. It seems like he's already won the starting job. And if they trust him, you know, they're not going to hesitate to hand him the ball. He's young, he's fresh. And we saw, like you said, shot out of a candy coming out, nine yards to carry in the first game. And if they've, if they're really that wild with his talent, there's no reason to think that he's not going to see at least 20 touches a game. And I would love that so much because I picked him up in a lot of leagues. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, that's, you you hit that spot on. And, uh, you know, you guys should go check out, uh, um, I have a YouTube video uh, talking about the best prospects at the Senior Bowl. Um, And I go over a lot on Damian Pierce and he was the number one guy that I liked at the Senior Bowl. Uh, So go check out that video. It's it's sitting on YouTube and I go over why he was such a good prospect and why I believe that he was going to be good in the NFL. And you combine that with the opportunity that it looks like he's getting, and you're looking like, but it's looking like a potential monster year for him. Yeah. And then our last point, the biggest loser of the preseason, I would say, Antonio Gibson. He continues to trend down. J.D. McKissick didn't play this weekend, but Brian Robinson started, and he was a primary early down back. Gibson was playing the McKissick role, and earlier this week there was a report that he was playing with the punt team. What does this tell you about what this backfield can potentially look like in week one when all these backs are active? And Antonio Gibson was returning kicks in the preseason game too. So, like, you know, we actually saw it, you know, in the preseason. Um, Listen, I (laughs) – it's just the same thing all over again. Like, we haven't been targeting, you know, Antonio Gibson at all. Brian Robinson is going to be a factor at this point on early downs with Gibson – so there's 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 no upside right here with Gibson, you know. Right. McKissick is going to play his role that he usually plays on passing downs, being the primary pass catcher. I would stay away from this backfield. Also, Carson Wentz, he's probably not going to be targeting the, his running backs a ton anyway, even on early downs. So I don't even see him getting a whole ton, a whole bunch of targets on early downs. So staying away. I think it's obvious at this point. I, I don't think we need to beat a dead a, a dead horse on this one. Like I'm not targeting him. I don't care what the price is. 
I don't see right. any high value touches for Antonio Gibson this year unless we see a major injury to someone else. Right. I, I'm with you. Um, Damian Pierce, you know, just going back to that. I'm taking him over Antonio Gibson. Um, there's a bunch of guys that take over Antonio Gibson. The fact is, like you said, I don't care what the price is. I'm not taking Antonio Gibson. I'll let someone else deal with that. Think they're getting yeah. a steal. This yeah. guy, he, the volume just is not going to be there. And, you know, we saw in 2020, you know, he had he has the talent. I don't think there's anything yeah, wrong does. with his talent. It's just the situation has soured, like, very badly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of competition around him. They obviously like Brian Robinson, and he's been fumbling. And I don't think Washington's too, you know, excited to make him their number one. You know, back when he was torching Dallas's horrifically bad defense in 2020 for like three touchdowns a game you know that was peak Antonio Gibson but now we heard about him at the we heard about it all at the beginning of the preseason uh, the offseason just this past season it's Antonio Gibson season and then every report was just a step down step down step down to the point where now it's like okay um are we sure this guy's gonna even be on a team halfway through the season (laughs) (laughs) so you know you hate to be that you hate to be blunt but you know like you know if he has a fumbling issue you know which we've seen you know that's an issue. That's not a way to get your to get time on the field. And he's returning punts. You know this is a role that you know anybody else. If it wasn't for his name, Antonio Gibson, we wouldn't even be talking about this guy. You know this is a guy that's just showing up in the preseason and he's getting cut two or three weeks in. I don't think Antonio Gibson's going to be cut. But this is humongous avoid. And I have always been saying, like even before we got on this podcast, even before I even started working with Upper Hand, now to my other page, I was saying, don't draft Antonio Gibson. Because this guy, it's it's just, he hasn't put it together, and I don't think he's going to anytime soon. All right, so that about wraps it up. Oh, is that it? Oh, man, wow. I wasn't paying attention here. By the way, I'm recording this from <laughs> Hawaii in my hotel room, you know, so, like, you know, I'm, I have a nice view here. So I'm, I'm chilling, you know. It's not, it's not a, you know, a typical podcast that we're recording. Uh, so Zach did a lot of work putting this one together. I appreciate you, Zach. And uh, thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. I uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, and listen, like we have a lot in store for the regular season. If you thought that two episodes per week was a lot, uh, wait till you have wait, wait, wait till you see what we have in store for the regular season. A little bit ambitious, right. uh, but you'll see what's going on once the regular season begins. Uh, we're gonna have a ton of content for you guys. So we'll be back later this week uh, with another episode. I hope you guys found a lot of value in this one. I'll talk to you guys later. See you soon, Zach. Take it easy, brother. Later. Yep. Later.